Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, and that is the co-host over there, Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And we are a little show called uh, Solid Steps Radio. That's the name of the show, right? Just uh, yeah, keep, I, keep me in mind what yeah. the name of our you, show is. Are you awake, brother? Yes, we're good. And um, <laughs> so Solid Steps Radio was birthed about four or five years ago almost. And we are a show for men, by men, talking about stuff from a man's perspective. Men are really good about talking about politics, sports, and weather. But we want to start talking about, we want to be a resource that men will start talking about the most important things, which is who you are in, uh, created in God's image to be a man walking with Jesus Christ. And that's why we're called Solid Steps Radio, because we want you to walk with God. And if you're not walking with God, you are not fulfilling your destiny as a man unless you are. So that being said, we want to talk about topics, the stories that God is writing in men's lives, because he is always writing a story. But today, as we tape the show, we don't typically talk about topical issues in a culture or what's going on around us society-wise. But today, as we tape the show, in June of 2020, there is unrest in our nation like many have never seen. And uh, there has been uh, many racial uh, uh, flare-ups across the country in different perspectives. And we're in a society now that everything's taped. And I heard one person say that racism is not uh, started, it's just being taped. And we're seeing it now. And a lot of people are seeing things that they've never seen before. But we want to have a conversation about what it means uh, to be black, to be white. But more importantly, it is to be in the race of a person who walks with God. And how do we handle these things from a godly perspective? So we've got a friend of ours uh, on the show today. And a couple weeks ago, he said a prayer at our online service at our at a church. And it has gotten, I think, over 12,000 views. And we wanted to bring our brother Gerald in to continue that conversation. So, it, yes, it is a great delight to have uh, Gerald Kaufman in. And, uh, you know, it, uh, Chad, in the middle of this uh all this rioting and you know violence and protesting, and I, I'm I'm all for uh, peaceful protesting. You know, to, to share our faith and share our our views, um, but it's gotten a little out of hand. And so, Gerald, we we just want to hear from our African American brother who we love dearly, and uh, just to um, hear your story and how God has worked in your life. And so before we before we kind of get in the into the nitty gritty, uh, I'd like to just have our listeners uh, get to know you a little bit. You you grew up here in the Louisville area. Talk talk to us about that, please. I grew up in the what we call the West End of Louisville, between Thirty Second and Thirty Fourth Street. And at the time I grew up there, Thirty Fourth Street wasn't even paved. We had. Uh, I can remember the Donaldson man and the. Now you're sharing your age here a little bit, Gerald. <laughs> Seventy-four <laughs> years old. I, I'm proud of it. <laughs> the the seal test milkman. They came and they had horse-drawn uh, buggies. Uh, so that's how far I, I go back. And uh, some of my relatives lived on Thirty Fourth Street, for example, and had outhouses, not indoor plumbing. And everybody talks about how bad it was. It was segregated. And it was bad. We just didn't know it was that bad because that was the way the law was. And you, you know, they had colored restrooms and white-only restrooms, colored fountains and white-only. 
we, we didn't, we wanted things to be better and different. And if you went to Kingfish Restaurant, you'd have to go to the back and get your, your food. And sometimes the fries would be cold. And uh, I can remember as a kid, I used to always wind up with injuries, nail injuries or something in my foot. We'd go to the emergency room maybe at nine in the morning and get out of there at 10 at night because they served the white clientele before they served the black ones, unless you were bleeding to death. And that, you know, that, that kind of bothered you a little bit. And I guess I could have come out real bitter, but I, I made it my life's ambition that if somebody was going to make a stereotype about me, they're going to have to come up with some good words. And my mother raised us and she say, you have to work twice as hard as a white person to get an average recognition. So I want y'all to work twice as hard. Do good work. And my mother was bringing us up in a Christian environment. She would say, if, if it gets dark and you can't be where you can hear my voice without me screaming, you're in trouble. And so she kept us around the house. She wouldn't let us mix with some of the better kids in the neighborhood. And I wondered about that a lot until I got to be about 21 years old. I became a Louisville JC, and we had a basketball tournament at the uh, LaGrange Reformatory. And guys that I grew up around were in there to stay. But I was coming and going. <laughs> and uh, they were calling me by my name. And, and, and that was interesting to me because as a kid, I'd go to the grocery store, and these guys that walked behind me throwing rocks at my back, we're all black, right? It's not a black-white thing. Just throwing rocks at my back because I couldn't come play with them. And uh, I was a little fella. Uh, between 7th and 8th grade, I grew 13 inches that summer. <laughs> so, I mean, I got to be a big fella overnight. I couldn't chase you down because i trip over my feet. But, I mean, I, that was a different guy. I left out in, in, in May, and, I, and Owen Clifford was the principal at Parkland uh, Junior High School. It's got a different name now, but I came back in September. He said, Gerald, I declare you, I'm looking up at you. <laughs> when you left, I was looking down at you. So, I mean, it, like life was different in those days. It was different. And uh, you, you, uh, you, you wonder, you know, the first time I heard the N-word, I was five years old. A guy called me that. We were playing baseball down, down in a little trailer park down the street. And this guy was a friend of mine. And one day his dad came home mad and called him in and said something when well, he came out and called me the N-word. So I had to go home and ask my mother what that meant. Mm. And, I, and that caused me to cry because my, my feelings were hurt. I, he didn't say it a nice way, but he could have called me my name and the way he said it would have made me want to cry. So I asked her, I said, well, what is that? You know, and she explained to me how some people have different attitudes toward other people just strictly because of the color of their skin. Your, your mom, she was... Very gracious, wasn't she? Yes, yes. You, you, I, I, you know, just I sense, um, <laughs> just grace coming well, out of your mom, and yet firmness. Sure, my my mom was a cook. She cooked at a place called Corson's Country Kitchen, and she also cooked at a at a Methodist church on Browns Lane Wednesday night. She had that family dinner. She made all oh, yeast rolls that would make you just scream. And, and, and then they would send food home with her, so we had food to eat. You know, we, mm. My dad was a Louisville fireman, and um, but white folks weren't that strange for us because 
my dad was a chauffeur. He worked for some very wealthy whites. And uh, he worked for a very wealthy Jewish man. And those those people were good to us. They sent things to us, you know. So we didn't have, you know, when, when one of us would get to be old enough to help, that Jewish guy would give us a job at his company. Mm. We'd go in there and work. <laughs> so we had, you know, we didn't know the disparity of hating people because they were different. It didn't make sense to us because we had help from people that were different. We just couldn't go to their restaurants, right? We couldn't go to their theaters because that was the law. If we went to the theater, we had the, the Palace, the Lyric, and the Grand Theater west of 6th Street. The Palace Theater is where there's a, an insurance company on that corner now. The little palace right next door, it was a little palace uh, restaurant. Had the best hamburgers I ever had in my life. Grilled, they put butter on the buns and put, put them on the grill. Uh, the Grand was across the street and the Lyrics. But we had a, a lifestyle you know, in, in that, and then they had the, the Walnut Street venue down there with all all the places you could go shop. And uh, just, I didn't have any problems. I mean, you know, I, the first time I ever had a date, I was going to see the movie Love, Love Me Tender by Elvis Presley at the Palace Theater. You know, <laughs> so even though we were segregated, we still watch white movies. And, you know, <laughs> life wasn't just totally desperate or disparate. You know, it was disparate, but not desperate. Mm. Uh, and we would go to church, Sunday school. Go back. You know, people get mad because they're in church an hour. We would go to church Sunday morning. We wouldn't get home to about 9 o'clock at night. You're going you're gonna to go to grandma's for dinner. You're going to go back, and you're going to go to evening service, and I would have to serve in the Baptist Training Union, be an usher at the evening service. and you know, <laughs> God was all interwoven in our life, even in the midst of a segregated society. Wow. Gerald, I've got a whole host of other questions I want to ask you, but... Um uh, you you grew up with how many siblings? There were seven of us all together, seven. And you were number five, number five. One one of the, one of my friends said the first meal he ever had in Louisville was at our house. We didn't have a lot, but we shared. We brought people in. They put a picnic table in the living room, and everybody sat around and, and ate. <laughs> we, we always had food. <laughs> We, we call Gerald the gentle giant. And uh, Gerald, we're, we're going to take a break here and because we're going to continue to unpack your story and, what, how, and how God is using you to bring restoration and healing in our community. And, and our prayer is that, that that would happen around the country. But we're going to take a break. So I know all the listeners are thinking and asking this question. So I'm going to go ahead and ask, Gerald, how tall are you? I'm six foot nine. Six nine. So everybody <laughs> thought 13 inches. How tall is this man? He is six foot nine. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back for three more segments. And we're going to hear a little bit more about Gerald's story. But we also want to hear about how to handle and approach this talk about race, not from a political perspective or a racial perspective, as much as we talk about it from a biblical Christ-centered perspective, which is really easy to say, but how do we live that out? So we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter. We're here with businessman Gerald Kaufman, and we're having a talk about uh, Gerald's life growing up as a, uh, a African-American in a segregated world and uh, talking about what that looks like now in 2020 as uh, from a perspective that what's a, a black's perspective, a white's perspective, but what's a biblical perspective look like? And before we 
we jump into the next couple of segments here. We want to thank our sponsors of our show, LNN Credit Union. They're a Louisville-based uh, credit union, and they have helped uh, many of people in their business needs, whether it's professional, personal, checking, savings, you name it, LNN Credit Union. And then Bright Star Home Care, if you know someone, a loved one who needs health care, in-home care, whether it's one day a week or 24-7, Bright Star Home Care can help you with all of those needs. So, Gerald, uh, gentle giant, six foot nine, all of you, um, <laughs> married to Evelyn, the bride of your life, um, and who is a dear sweetheart. Um, Gerald, you were talking about in the break. You you grew up in a you, uh, through fifth grade. You were in an all black school, right, right? And then and then you transitioned. Talk about that. The transition was from. From the all-black school to a, a school that had been all-white because of integration. And um, I started walking to school to to go to, to, to Parkland Elementary School up Dumanil Street. And I crossed the railroad track, and there was a house right next to the track. And a guy named Sonny lived there. I didn't know his name, but my first day up the, up the road, he saw me, and he came out and just got beside me and started walking. I hadn't paid much attention to Sonny, but I soon found out that he, he was pretty good with his fisticus. <laughs> and a lot of guys were scared of him, so he would just walk with me. And I, I didn't know why he's walking with me, but he decided he's going to be my pal and keep anybody from bothering me. And I got to return the flavor a few years later. Like I say, I, I grew 13 inches between 7th and 8th grade. So I was a little fellow at the time that he started befriending me. And much later, when I was much bigger, I was able to return the favor. And, and, and it's really weird, you know, I didn't think of Sonny as a white guy. He was just a guy that talked to me and was friendly with me. And that's, I think that kind of helped me, a, not kind of, it really did help me. Because much later in life, I, I don't see people as so much black or white. I just see them as people. And, and it's helped me in my business. It's helped me in my walk with Christ. And that's a good thing. The world sees people as black or white. If you look at me, you see a black guy. You don't see a guy that's one a Cherokee. My great-grandfather was a white guy. I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's all black or white. I mean, the birthplace of civilizations, my God, it's in Africa. So we're all African-Americans. Some by Denmark and some not. We just got to really understand how how thick it is. I mean, we got these people thinking that that's a black person or that's a white person. That's just a person. Created in the image of God. In the image of God. And it makes a difference. You you know, if somebody white mistreated me, I didn't think they did it because it's white. They just mistreated me. And my problem is not with all white people, it's with that person. Hmm. And, And that's what we've got to get to. We've got to get to reconciling one with another. And and treat, if somebody treats you bad, that's the one that needs to repent to you, not the whole race he's from. Mm-hmm. Imagine a Chinese person mistreating you. You think all Chinese are bad? What if a woman slapped you? Are all women bad? <laughs> wow. That's... We've got to, narrow, we've got to take, take, narrow that focus down to individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. We have individual responsibility. We have corporate responsibility. And, and I've just, I didn't even realize that's what I was doing in my life, but it's really helped. Now, you know, Gerald, back up a little bit, because when Sonny became your friend and he began to, 
defend you, protect you. Um, there were some people who um, didn't like that. Right. They were giving him a hard time. But that's okay. I mean, these same people. What, I would come out of school at the line. I started tensing up before the day. And there's this old janitor watching me. This old black guy was a janitor. And one day he called me. He said, I've been watching you. Because they wait for me right outside the school gate. He said, if you'll fight the ringleader, things will be different. I mean, every day they, they line up. So one day I went, I set my trombone down and set my books down because I was studying the trombone. And I told the ringleader, I pointed at him, I said, okay, let's, let's get it on. And all the guys that were with him made a circle around us. And the two of us went. Well, I got a busted lip just like I always did. But from that day forward, the guys that ran with him, when he wasn't with them, they'd stay away from me because I stood up to him and they were afraid of him. He was a bully. And I didn't hate all white people because this guy was a bully. He'd walk up to me sometimes and, and I said, what if you're feeling a little froggy? Go ahead and jump, man. We'll get it on. <laughs> and, and from that point on, he started to respect me because mm. I wouldn't run from him. Mm. I stood up to him and, 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 and that made a, a difference in my life. You, you stand up to bullies. How, 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 how is that... As, as, as the decades have rolled by, how has that affected you even to this day? Oh, man. I, in college, I was out now going to college, and there was this black guy, about 277 pounds. And I was standing in the window of the dorm, and he was just walking by white people on the sidewalk knocking their books out. So one day, I went down there, and I said, hey, pick him up. He said, what? I said, you pick him up, and we got in a fight. And there's this white guy that came along and started helping me because this guy was 277 pounds. <laughs> and he, we, were, we were mopping up our wounds in the bathroom later. And he said, you know, I used to hate black people. And this guy was a New York State skeet champion. We called him Skeets. Well, Skeets and I got to be buddies. Because he saw, he saw a black guy doing something righteous. He never thought that that would... He married a girl whose father had about 400 acres out in Iowa. And we go, he taught me how to shoot. We go out with single shot shotgun to give a rabbit a chance. <laughs> and he could blow a head off at a hundred paces right up from the hip. <laughs> Never brought it up to sight. <laughs> well, we got to be buddies. And, and you know, that's the way life ought to be. This guy trusted me so much. He was working for UPS when it was a little bitty company. And I would stay at his trailer overnight because he was afraid somebody hurt his wife. His wife was pregnant there. And I would stay at that house trailer at night out in the cornfields. It's not in the cornfields. And I would, the land is flat and the wind blows. The snow hits you sideways at 50 mile an hour and sting you. <laughs> but that guy trusted me. And we had a bond and friendship that you, you just couldn't imagine. And it wasn't about him being white or me being black. It's about two human beings, both understanding each other. We're different because we look different on the outside. But inside, people are pretty much the same. He liked Italian sandwiches. The woman he married worked at a little Italian what we call a food truck now. <laughs> and she would she would bring us those Italian meatball sandwiches and life is good when you when you look at people as individuals. Yeah, we, we want to focus on our differences. Yeah. And what you're saying is no. No. That's that's not the way of Christ. No. We um, have more in common than we have different. Oh my goodness. Everybody wants to raise a family. They want to the, the, the rights to life, liberty and, the, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, everybody wants that. They, they want to do good things for their kids. They want to have opportunity. And, you know, if you talk about 
discrimination, that's when you start seeing people that's different. You're saying, I'm going to hold back on them or hold them back. It happens different races to different races. People within the same race. Growing up, growing up, there were some people who gave more benefits if they were black in the black community to a lighter skinned black than they would a darker skinned black. So you had discrimination within the black community. Oh my. Just like in the white community, they have people that discriminate to other people that are white because they're lower income and mistreat them. It's, it's a hard issue. It's not biblical. It's, it's, it's simple. It's just simple. Do unto others mm-hmm. as you'd have them do unto you. You know what, uh, um, Gerald? I, when all of this this turmoil has been just bubbling up, I, I go back to the beginning of the Bible where Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, and I'm like, well, there there's been friction ever since the fall of mankind. Cain killed his brother Abel. Conflict. And God says, no, treat your brother with love and grace. Um, we're going we're gonna to continue to unpack. We, we want to hear your heart, um, Gerald, and, and speak into the, the black community, speak into the white community, speak into the Hispanic community, speak into all of us of, of how God wants us to live as Christians and as hum, humans, as, as we walk this road of life, how do, we, how do we live with grace and peace toward one another? So we're going to take a break, come back, two more segments, and we're going to talk more about what can whites do better in this conversation, because we need to do better. And we want to hear uh, what do blacks need to do better, and just to have this dialogue. And uh, we're not going to change the world today, but one person at a time, that's where this starts to happen. One person at a time, one heart at a time. So we're going to take a break. And if you want to hear this show in its entirety, if you just picked up on it and heard a couple minutes of it, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to SoundCloud or iTunes and type in Solid Steps Radio and hear all of our show in its entirety, commercial free, thanks to our sponsors. We're going to take a break. Be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell, Kurt Satter. We're here with Gerald Kaufman, our friend, and we are talking about uh, the thing you're not supposed to talk about, God and race. <laughs> We're talking about both of them today because they need to be talked about. But before we do that, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Dan Hart Financial. Uh, they're an institution that says, hey, if you want to talk about what biblical uh, wisdom looks like as far as your retirement, Dan Hart Financial can do that. And also we want to thank Frank Enterprises if in our Louisville local area. If you have septic issues and you got problems with water not doing what it's supposed to do, Frank Enterprises can take care of you uh, in that way. So back to uh, our last conversation earlier, we, we said the last segment we were going to talk about uh, different perspectives on, <laughs> on, on black folks and white folks and how we can have an honest dialogue. Well, and we talked in the break about how we need to get uncomfortable. Right. So listeners, uh, we, we just want you to get a little uncomfortable here because we want to just be, let's just be really honest and real and authentic. And uh, so Gerald, um, what what is it that we white folks need to hear that we where we can improve, where we can do better? 
and in in the life of walking this road of life, and as, and specifically as Christians, as Christ followers. I, I'll speak to that, but first let me say what black folks can do better. Okay. <laughs> here's, here's, here's where we need to step up. Okay. My heart breaks at the thought that people lost their lives for the right to vote. Got killed down south because they wanted to vote. And we'll have an election, and there's 40, 45% of the blacks don't show up. That's a responsibility. Mm. How can I talk about what somebody else is doing or not doing for me when I won't do what I'm responsible for? First, Second, when I was in high school at Fern Creek, you'd go to school in the morning and all the black kids were in a group over in the corner. And I never sat in that corner. I'd go over and say, why don't you meet some white people? (laughs) Go sit with somebody white and talk to them. They're going to be uncomfortable and you'll be uncomfortable. Go meet somebody. You know, we want to be integrated, but then we're segregating ourselves. Second, if you're a black person hearing my voice today, why are you asking God for something when you haven't showed up but once or twice a year to serve to service? God said the tithe is my, you know, you don't give him 10%. You don't give him anything. None of your time, none of your money. And you're wanting him to take you out of poverty. If somebody tells me black or white or Chinese or Mexican, they're having financial difficulty, the first thing I'm going to ask them is, are you tithing? Are you giving? I have developed a lifestyle of generosity. Anybody that works for me, and I'm not even bragging, I'm a giver. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Full measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing will God give into your bosom. Now, white folks, <laughs> you got to move from a position of guilt and do what black folks need to do. We need to be repentant, and so do you. You can't be responsible for what somebody else has done in the past, but you can be responsible for your attitudes toward others now. Mm. Whether they're Hispanic or Chinese, I mean, I can read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair and get a feel for what discrimination is like because they were after the Irish and the Lithuanians when they came to Chicago in the meatpacking yards because they were different. But somehow that kind of worked out everywhere else but Chicago because they still have all Lithuanian neighborhoods and Bohemian neighborhoods and they never seem to get that broken up. But we can learn to live at peace with one another just by learning to, to respect one another as human beings. We're all created by God in his image and learn to give to one another. That's what 1 Peter 3 says. Bless, that's our job. No exceptions. You want to get a blessing? Be a blessing. <laughs> Everything you do, you ought to do it as if you did it under the Lord. And let me tell you where everybody falls short, black, white, Hispanic, and everybody. Our Lord Jesus said, you know, we're bringing all this money to the church and bragging about how much we give. If your brother has something against you, not if you got something against them, if they've got something against you, first go be reconciled with your brother. 
Then bring your gift. We got to learn a, a spirit of reconciliation. Mm. How do we come together with people? You know, I, I did a prayer two weeks ago, and a lady that's a, a member of our church invited my wife and I to dinner. <laughs> Let's sit down and break bread together. That's what our Lord Jesus did. That's the model. Uh, they were the, the people who found themselves to be self-righteous said, he sits at meat with sinners. And he said, the whole, the whole need not a physician. We got to learn to break bread together. Spend some time getting to know somebody who's different than you. And you're going to find out they're more like you than they are different. <laughs> mm. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> it's biblical. It's biblical. Wow. Gerald, talk to us about, um, about guilt and um, what we can do about that. Guilt, guilt is from the adversary. Mm. So Maya Angelou said, when you know better, do better. If you saw somebody with their knee on a man's neck, now you know better. Question is, what are you going to do about it? That should be the question on everybody. What can I do? And so you're asking me that question. Model the gift of the Spirit. Mm. Be sympathetic. Have some mercy. The book Micah 6 and 8 says, what can you do, old man? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly before your God? Wow. That's pretty simple. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. We all know what justice is. That's the right thing happening. Righteous mind want to see the right thing happen. And we know what's right from wrong. It's built into us. We may not do it, but we know. You do the wrong thing, you know you did it. <laughs> you know, um, and Gerald, in, in the break, Chad, you mentioned, um, you know, it's just it's one person at a time. One person at a time. Because, you know, we, we, here we are in Louisville, and we look across the country, and we see what's going on in Minnesota, and we see, you know, we in, in the, the, the cities around the country, but really what God's calling us to do, we can't, we, you know, unless we have relatives and we're up in Minnesota, we can pray for those, you know. But what God's calling us to do is right here, um, one at a time. One at a time. One at a time. A young lady showed me a kindness at a, a landfill a couple of days ago. She didn't have to do that. And it stymied me because nobody really reached out like that. I'm used to being generous, but I'm not used to getting generosity. <laughs> and I thanked her. But I'm not through. I'm going to send her a note. It's on my agenda for today. Mm. Send her a note of thanks. And tell her how special that was. We don't take time. You know, Jesus healed 10 lepers and one came back and Jesus said, where's the other nine? I thought I healed 10. We got to learn how to say thanks how to recognize people's generosity, how to be generous. You don't have to give money. Pay it forward. Give a kind act to somebody. What, what, would, what would the world look like if all of us who are listening to this would just move forward in generosity? In generosity. And a, a gracious spirit 
you see somebody behind you in the in the uh, drive-through, go ahead and pay their way, yeah. and be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. That's good stuff. You'd be surprised how many people you meet when you do something that's generous. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, Gerald, uh, that's rich. I want to. Uh, um, I think we need to take a break right now, but I, I want uh, to continue to talk a, a little bit about uh, um, a little bit more definition of repentance. And um, but we'll we'll hit that in the, this next segment. So we'll take a break, and then one more final segment. And again, just to remind our listeners, if you're catching this mid segment and you want to hear more of it, all of it in its entirement on a podcast, go to SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, or if you want to go to our Facebook page, just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you'll be able to see those posted there in their entirety. So we're going to take a break, come back with a fourth and final segment, and we're going to end with some prayer uh, because that's what really began this conversation because Gerald prayed a prayer of uh, for our church, and we wanted to continue that dialogue on that conversation, which is probably the best thing we can do for anyone is to ask God of the universe to do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. So we're going to take a break. Come back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and unfortunately final segment. Uh, time flies when you're having fun and we're having a great time here uh, having a conversation that unfortunately, as I'm think, thinking, I wonder how many people have even had a, a five minute conversation about what we've talked about. Some people, this is more than they've ever spoke about it in their life, which is probably part of the problem. We're talking about how do uh, we approach from a biblical perspective race? And we're talking to our friend Gerald Kaufman here. And uh, before we jump back in this final segment, we want to thank our sponsor, Southern Smoke Catering. Uh, they are a sponsor that he says, put some South in your mouth as far as the food goes. South, uh, Southern Smoke Catering is as good as you're going to get barbecue. So we want to thank them for being a sponsor of our show. And uh, Iroquois Family Dental, that's a Louisville-based dental company, and they, uh, they have two locations. And if you have, they are family-friendly fr- family dental office, and they'd love to help you out with all your dental needs. And also Generac Generators. If you need a generator for your home or your business, Generac Generators can take care of you on service and installation. So, Gerald, we're hearing a lot uh, today about white privilege. And uh, talk about that. There was from, a for- from your perspective. There was a Fortune 500 company that wanted to teach its white employees about racial bias. And so they had a, a, a what we call a retreat. And the first day, Monday, there, everybody came Monday and got checked in. And they divided it into two groups. All the blonde-haired, blue-eyed people were in one group. And all the brown-eyed, brown-haired people were in the second group. Well, Monday through Wednesday, all the blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, whether in the games or, or in, in the meal hall, every place... They got the, the, the advanced privileges. They got all the benefits, got to go in the line first for the meals. And uh, that went on through Wednesday. And then Wednesday, they published in the paper that they'd made a mistake, the little paper that everybody was getting every morning. And it was the brown-haired, brown-eyed people that should be going first. And so they, they flip-flopped it. You wouldn't believe how bad the brown-eyed, brown-haired people were toward the blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. Having suffered a loss of privilege, now they've got the privilege, and they didn't learn anything. What I'm saying is this to you is that it's hard to show somebody how privilege matters because they forget that they've suffered even if they have. And so what we need is a spirit of repentance. 
Mm. Simon Bevy taught repentance in this wise. He said, he came to our church from Africa and he said, I kept praying to God that he would change my wife and nothing happened. He said, but when I asked God to change me, to change my spirit, then everything in my marriage changed. And so a true spirit of repentance is one where we come to the Lord and say, Lord God, change me. Change me so that I can see disparity, so that I can see that people are not getting what they should get, that they're being held back, that they're being mistreated. Change my spirit, Lord, change me. With that, God will honor that request, and you'll be changed so that you'll be able to recognize when disparity exists. One thing I ask of you is that when you do, speak up against it. I witnessed uh, this week a couple of policemen with a man taken down, and one of them put a knee on that man's neck. And the other officer used an expletive and grabbed his knee off and said, get your knee off that man's neck. That's what should happen. Mm. This isn't a police issue so much as we make it. I know a lot of cops that are good people. Good people. Some of them are operating in fear and they'll shoot you if you move too fast and go to reach them because they're nervous. They wouldn't admit that. They're scared, some of them. But the cops need to learn, just like all of us need to learn, to have a repentant spirit. Mm. God, change me. Change my spirit so that I can be a model cop. My oldest brother was a cop. The brother just below me was a cop. In my family. These people don't put on uniforms to go out and hurt people and probably have the same percentage as the bad cops that we got bad people in our society. Mm-hmm. And the cops ought to do what society's doing. We ought to expunge them from society. If we're out making a peaceful protest and somebody's robbing our protest by looting and pillaging, we ought to put him out of the group. My heart cried the other day when I looked down at 28th and Broadway. 70 people there in the Kroger parking lot after it had been looted. That should have been 7,000 people saying, this is a black community. We're not going to have it. Not 70. That's why I say, blacks, we have something to stand up and do too. We have to take some responsibility. Don't let people infiltrate our peaceful protest. Martin Luther King wouldn't have had it. We shouldn't have it. And whites... Get repentant and ask for a changed spirit. Mm. Stand up against injustice. Speak up against it. Your voice will carry more weight than you can imagine. Love one another. Jesus said it. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. The, The psalmist said, search me, O God. Try me. And if there's any wicked way in me, Lord, lead me to the path of righteousness. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. That, that needs to be our prayer. You know, um, Gerald, um, you know, our hearts break when we, when we look around the country and we see so much friction and, and, and hatred in many cases. Um, but, in the midst of all that, there's a lot of good, yeah. and we we've got the 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 
the Christians, those who are called by Christ and are walking with Christ, we got to step up. Mm-hmm. And we have to, like you said, voice. And uh, so if you are listening to this right now, mm. what can you do? Mm. What is God calling you to, to do? What is God calling you to say? And what is God calling you to, uh, to, to pray? Mm. And, uh, and so Gerald, we, you know, we were loved your prayer that you shared uh, a couple weeks ago. And mm. we, We'd love for you to pray and just pray for our, our community and for our nation and for reconciliation. Would you pray? Lord God, we need you today, Lord. We need you every place, every village, every hamlet, every community, in the affluent and the ones not so affluent, we need you. And so today, Lord, I pray that you'll give us a spirit of uh, unity, a spirit of repentance for everybody. I pray, Lord, that uh, whether they're Hispanic or Chinese, Jewish, Gentile, Christian, Muslim, all these communities, Lord, all these different kinds of people. It's interesting to me, Lord, that we all cry the same way. We laugh the same way, regardless of our language. So if we can display joy and and sadness in the same way, we've got more alike than we've got different, Lord. And I just pray that there'll be a coming together and a healing. Give us your healing touch today, Lord. Give us peace. Your son, Jesus, said that he left us a peace that was different than the peace of the world. And that's the kind of peace we need today, Lord. Help us to see uniqueness one to another and to appreciate the differences that we have. I remember, Lord, a young boy came to me one day and asked me, Mr. Mr., how come you're brown? And I remember your spirit entering me, Lord, and I leaned down to that little boy and I said, you ever seen a flower garden with all one color flower? The flower garden is more beautiful when the flowers are different colors. God made them that way and he made people that way. And it's the unity of all our different colors and different uniqueness that we have that makes this world a better place and a more beautiful place. Help us, Lord, to see that beauty one to another as we go through life and help us to value other people, value other cultures. Lord, we've learned to travel all over the world and brag about it, but few of us seem to have gone all over the world and taken on the various cultures of the world. I remember, Lord, being in Cuba a few years ago and They asked me to preach, Lord, and I was standing there and I was looking at that crowd and I said, I've been told that you Cuban people are beautiful, but I tell you, I didn't know it was beautiful as you are. And I reminded them that in Revelation 7, there was a group of people from all nations and all languages and all 
identities and uh, nationalities and standing in, in, in the presence of the Lord. And I said to him, it, it brought me to a position where I understood that everybody can be saved. And I said to them, Toto el mundo puede ser salvado. Everybody can be saved. And I said it in Spanish so they'd understand it. I give you thanks today, Lord, for all these folks that are hearing this voice. I pray it's a voice of unity, a voice of coming together, a voice of peace. Give it to us one, give it to us in a corporate sense and help us carry that peace one from another. As the old timer said, from heart to heart and breast to breast, we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus, your son, who's our redeemer. Glory, hallelujah, amen. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. There's nothing I need to add to that. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.